Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Talk About Theory. I'm your host, Gabrielle Jackson. So this week, we're going to discuss all the many wonders of health communication. And by health communication, I really mean the different relationships and different behaviors that are associated with that form of communication. So within this chapter, there was one particular theory that really stood out to me the most, and it kind of brought me back to my childhood, and that was Extended Parallel Process Model. And before I get into it, it's a crazy story that goes along with it. I mean, it was something that really like happened to me as a kid and it was beyond crazy, but it actually stuck with me and kind of resonated with me to this day. So if you're ready, let's dive in a little deeper. All right, so Extended Parallel Process Model, or EPPM, was created by Kim Witt. And she created this theory because she wanted to explain how people manage fear that stems from a message about threats. And a lot of times, this communication tool was used in campaigns that wanted to encourage others to make certain behavioral choices. Now, as a kid, I don't know about you, but my school put on a ton of school-funded programs that basically were kind of just used to kind of just scare kids straight. And I remember one particular program right before we did D.A.R.E. And it was about, you know, kids using drugs. And I grew up in the area right outside of Philadelphia and New Jersey. And it took nothing but 10, 15 minutes for us to go over the bridge and cross into the south side of Philly. And a lot of times in that area, it was really known for kids to for kids to be able to access different drugs or, you know, alcohol or any of those things. And the police at that time had a huge, huge issue with kids going over and getting hooked on drugs. So the purpose of the program was actually to scare us straight. And to be quite honest, they kind of did, or at least for me, because I wasn't the type of kid that wanted to experiment on different things. I knew, you know, drugs are bad. They weren't good for you. You know, I knew the whole, this is what your mind is like on drugs type of thing. But this particular program that they had that day just showed us a different slideshow and pictures of what drugs could actually do to you physically, mentally. I mean, they showed us slideshows of like people with missing teeth and, you know, bumps all over their faces and where they like had like different dirty needles stuck into their skin and um, basically people in body bags and everything. And as a kid, that's very traumatizing, especially for the fact that, you know, we're only in what third or fourth grade when we're seeing these things like it's absolutely scary and they're showing you like these you know different pictures of ecstasy pills and any other like forms of meth and all these things like that and they're like you can easily get this at a party you can easily get this you know somebody walking by you ask them for some gum or some candy or any of those things like that and I was literally sitting Indian style on the floor in the gym like oh my god I can't trust any of my friends I cannot trust anyone sitting next to me because what if they're doing drugs and they give me some candy and I like Smarties and this drug up here looks like Smarties. I mean, I was literally freaking out in my mind. And like, 
to before long the icing on the cake of all of this and I kid you not I still think about this and I can still hear it literally as they're playing the somber music because they were telling us about this girl throughout the entire program and we had to wait until the end of the program to see if she you know was able to kick her drug habit or anything like that they basically said she died and as soon as they said she died they showed us a picture of where they found her body and then the the last known picture they had of her while she was alive and out of nowhere one of the police officers yanks a body bag and flings it and it makes makes that sound that you make when you're trying to open up a trash bag and it was like boom boom and I literally froze and I just I couldn't breathe I I was that shaken up from that experience so from that time until now I I want no parts of drugs. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to end up like that little girl, Sarah. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to make it. I don't want, I don't want to look like that. I don't want to be like that. I want to have all my teeth, like all those things. But in a way they use EPPM, you know, that form of, you know, campaign tool to kind of just scare us straight. And it, it, it actually worked. So as crazy as that story sounds, it's very similar to the story that, Or the example that they use in the book. In the book, they talk about how they put on different programs, you know, for drunk driving and, you know, don't drink while you're driving, you know, pull over. You're going to hurt not only hurt yourself, but you hurt others. And I'm not going to lie, I sat through those two, but I was already shooken up from my whole ecstasy. This is what you look like on drug spill to even think about drinking and driving. And the thing about it is, even though they put on these programs, like the book says, A lot of times it doesn't really work. It does not resonate with everyone that is in those programs. So Wit really wants us to understand and she wanted that her theory to explain how the fear can be channeled to produce healthy and positive actions. Okay, so further along in the book, Wit explains that there are three responses to messages based on fear. And those three responses are fear control, danger control, and no response. So, of course, we all know what no response means. It doesn't really affect us in any type of way, shape, form. It doesn't really resonate with us. Kind of sort of like the example that we used earlier with the people who continue to drink while driving or drink or drive then go while after they have drunk so much and, you know, have no sense of fear for anything. Well, the second term that we use is fear control. And fear control involves the threat of the fear being being actually controlled. So these people are either trying to ignore the message that is placed in front of them through this type of communication, or they're in denial about all of it. The third and final response is danger control. And danger control is a little bit different. Danger control means that people try to control the fear. They try to they try to discuss it with others. They try to figure out ways that, you know, they can actually prevent it from actually happening. And in a way, I think that's just really what my, you know, the program at my school was basically trying to do for us kids. They wanted to find a way to if they could explain it to us and break it down for us, you know, to really understand and resonate and have it resonate with us and that maybe we would get it we would understand it and we would create something positive out of that negative action now there are two key factors that go along with those three responses 
and those are perceived threat and perceived efficacy. Now, perceived threat deals with the idea that people feel susceptible to harm. Now, it could be the fact that there's a severity of the threat, which means that, you know, you deal with how serious the matter really, really is. Or there's a susceptibility to threat, which deals with the likelihood of it actually happening to you. Now, as far as perceived efficacy goes, this happens when a person feels like it can do certain things to avoid that fear. Now, people will either take a response efficacy approach and believe a certain action will help them either avoid it or not avoid it, or those same people can use a self-efficacy approach, which basically means that they can just do the recommended action to stop it. For me, I believe that, you know, when it comes to that type of, you know, response and key factors I have to understand, I probably would honestly do the perceived efficacy like route. And I will probably be more along the lines of just trying to just follow the rules that they tell me, you know, I don't have to be that person that learns from just doing something. I can literally take a situation, look at it and say, if it's for me, I'll do it. If it's not, then it's not. And that situation of when it came to, you know, experimenting with drugs or, you know, wanting to test the limits and things like that. That's that's just not my thing that I don't want to I don't want to know what it feels like. I don't want to know you know, what, what's going to be the next thing that's going to happen to me afterwards. And I think that kind of set me aside from different people, because I just now, when I think about it, I think about different kids that I grew up with. And, you know, we we did the same things, we loved the same things, and we had we shared the same hobbies. But as life went on, we were open to the world that was around us. And I chose left and they chose right. And some of those people are not here with us today. And it's sad because, like I said, we sat in the same room. We heard the same thing. But because of the EPPM, it resonated more with me than it did with those people. I wish it could have been other ways, but, you know, some people, they just learn at different, you know, different paces, different times. They learn differently. And there's nothing that we can do about it. The only thing that we can do is try to create some type of positive action to go along with that fear and have them understand that you don't have to be afraid of it, but you do need to understand the consequences of it. And I think that's basically what Whit was basically saying with her theories, that she just wants people to understand and not be totally afraid of it that, you know, they're shunned from it, but they get a clear understanding of what it actually does to you and that you have options to deal with it. All right, so I know that's a short show, but I mean, honestly, I tried to think of more theories that really, really like stuck with me. But honestly, that theory took me back to elementary school and it it really, it really stayed with me this entire time. So, you know, can you guys think of anything that actually happened in that sort of thing? I know D.A.R.E. was something that was like nationwide. So I'm pretty sure there had to be something that happened in D.A.R.E. or even in those school programs that they used to make us sit through all the time that, you know, kind of used the EPPM theory and really resonated with you, whether it worked, whether it didn't work, or if it scared you, or if it scared you to the point where you just wanted to do what they, you know, do the recommended action 
that they were talking about in Wits Theory. Let me know. You can always talk to me. You can always hit me up. Um, I'm always here to answer back. So let's talk. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, and this is Talk About Theories.